Bridge family, it's great to see you in person. It's so easy to take this for granted. You know, we, we go along year after year after year, and all of a sudden we hit COVID, and boy, it changed everything. Really grateful for the worship team, for all the things they have done to adapt uh, to provide worship for us through this entire time. Um, I'm grateful uh, if you have joined us from home today. Um, we know that not everyone feels comfortable yet to come back to worship, and uh, we get that. And uh, just thanks for tuning in today. We are in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12 today as we uh, continue in uh, 1 Peter, hope in adversity. Today, God's hope for you. So, did you know that your cell phone gives a whole lot of personal information about you? And you say, duh, everybody knows that. But I'm not talking about your digital footprint. I'm not talking about your texts or your emails or your social media posts or your phone calls or your internet searches or the videos or pictures that you download. I'm not talking about your app usage or your bank account or your retirement account. I'm talking about the personal information that's stored on the outside of your phone on your screen. Scientists from the University of California, San Diego, have run molecular swab tests, kind of a COVID test on phones. And these tests can reveal whether a cell phone user is male or female. They reveal the types of soaps and lotions and shampoos that the cell phone user uh, likes. They can tell if the owner is a vegetarian or a vegan or a meat eater. They can identify the spicy foods, the hair dye, the makeup. They can identify coffee users and your alcohol preferences. They can identify all kinds of medications. And they, they can even tell if you're taking a medication for depression. Molecular swabs can trace deposits up to one month afterwards. Researchers project that these tests have a high potential for use in a variety of settings, including criminal investigations, airport security, and many others. One searcher, researcher concluded, with our approach, one can create a profile of the lifestyle of the person. So, you know, just as a reminder, if you haven't wiped off your cell phone recently, you may want to do that. Just as our cell phones give off personal information about us, everything that we do in this life leaves a trace of our presence. Everything we do in this life is stored up, and it's on record in God's book of life. He has all of our personal information. And a question for us is, do our attitudes and our actions and our choices do they enhance God's reputation? Or in fact, do they detract from God's reputation? God's hope for us is that our lives will enhance His reputation. 
And this is Peter's message in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. And let's look at that passage uh, together. 1 Peter chapter 2. Well, you could say it's kind of a short passage for me, but you'll probably be glad that it's short. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful life. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. First of all, Peter would want us to realize our purpose. We need to realize our purpose. That's God's hope for us. He wants us to realize our purpose. Why Why are we here? Do you know the answer? Verse 9, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful life. This has been a a reminder. We have been given a fresh start. Verse 9, This has been a reminder of Peter from the beginning of chapter 1. And if we look at chapter 1, verse 3, 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He's given us a new birth. And there it is, a fresh start. Into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a fresh start. When we placed our faith in Christ, we were given a new birth. Uh, We were born again. Our sins were forgiven. And we have become children of God. We have a new identity. Um, Peter um, begins with, uh, but you are a chosen people. You know, that's the contrast. Uh, It looks back to verse 8. There was a group of people who rejected Christ in verse 8. But now I'm talking to you, Peter says. You are a chosen people. God chose us. He loved us. Uh, He sent Jesus as proof. And here Peter uses a a phrase out of Isaiah 43, verses 20 and 21. The original reference was to Israel. Now, it's applied to the church. And we have this new identity we didn't have before. that's, That's what God called Israel in the Old Testament. But God doesn't call Israel chosen people anymore. Not right this minute. Not now. He's called the church as His chosen people. Next it says we were uh, a royal priesthood. Already Peter has referred to the idea of priesthood back in chapter 2 and and verse 4. And uh, remember that priests uh, were mediators in the Old Testament. And that's what priests should be doing today. They are 
mediators. They are go-between. They are go-between between man and God, and God and man, between God and people. Um, they represent uh, God uh, to humanity and humans to God. They pray. Remember that? We went through a whole list of things. They offer spiritual sacrifices. That's what a, a, a priest does. They offer sacrifices to God. And believers are to offer spiritual sacrifices. They are to pray. They are to give thanks. They are to do good works. They are to share their financial resources. Uh, they offer their bodies to God as a living sacrifice. And we are a royal priesthood. Royal because of our king that we're related to. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. And we are a part of his family. And we are believer priests. The, the idea of the royal priesthood comes from Exodus chapter 19, verse 6. And Peter alludes to that. It referred to Israel. But now it refers to the church. Because the church has this new identity. Next, we are a holy nation. This term, too, uh, was a term used in Exodus 19, verse 6, for Israel. They did not fulfill their purpose. And so this new purpose was given to the church, this new identity. And the church is holy, a holy nation, because we have been redeemed, because at the death of Jesus Christ, he set us apart. When we placed our faith in Him, He set us apart. He cleansed us from our sin. He set us apart so that we could serve Him. Made holy. And the last thing Peter remarks is that we are God's special possession. Again, from Isaiah 43, verse 21, a reference. People belonging to God. God's special possession. We belong to God because... We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Our, our lives have been paid for, purchased. Our sin has been covered. Um, and now we belong to God. And, and now we're not our own. Our bodies are not our own. And, and Paul picks this up in 1 Corinthians 6. Um, Paul says, since, you're, since you've been redeemed, since you've been purchased, since you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God with your bodies. And he's talking about their sexual lives, how to handle their sexual life uh, by their, with their body. Next, we are designed to display who God is and what He's done. Verse 9. We have this new identity, chosen people, royal priesthood, uh, a holy nation, uh, God's special possession, and because of that, we are to display who God is. And that's why we're here, to display who our God is. Look at verse 9. That you may declare the praises of Him who calls you out of darkness into this, His wonderful light. This is our purpose. This is our mission on earth. And there's a lot of ways to say that. This is why you and I exist. This is why you and I are not dead yet. We are to declare the praises of God. 
This is a reference to the virtues of his character, who he is and what he is like. It's his excellencies. Uh, Another translation, his excellent attributes. We are to tell people about our God. What do we know about him? What what, What is he like? What have we experienced? What have we seen? What do we know from Scripture to be true? He is holy. He hates sin. He is altogether righteous. Um, He is totally and absolutely just, and He will judge one day with total justice. And He will judge sin. He is the Creator God. He is sovereign. He loves people. He is full of mercy. He desires that all people come to the knowledge of the truth. He desires that all people come to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. He wants all people to recognize their own personal sin and understand that there are consequences. God's hope for us is that we will declare these things to our friends and our families and our co-workers because we love people and we reflect who Jesus is. Jesus used this idea in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 and he said this at the time of his ascension and he he was with his own disciples and he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2 on the day the church got its start. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. What do witnesses do? Well, they, they tell the truth. They tell the story of what they've experienced, what they've seen, and what they've heard, and what they know. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to tell people what God is like, that He answers our prayer, that He encourages us, that He brings us a contentedness that we can't get from the world. He wants us to tell our story. He doesn't want us to fake it. He wants us for the story to be authentic, and he wants us to share it with the people we come into contact. And, and you remember that he said in Jerusalem, and there's, I think there's a model here for us in Jerusalem. That was their home base. That's where the church got started. And it's, it's just where they were when the church, when they became believers in Christ. And actually, there was quite a bit of intense persecution right there. But they started there. That was kind of like home base. And for us, I think the home base is right here in Eau Claire, in the Chippewa Valley. And then he he says, then in all all Judea, and Judea was that province around Jerusalem, you know, like the size of a county uh, for us. And and, and it might be, we might think of the United States as our Judea. It might even be uh, our state of Wisconsin. Um, and, 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 the, and the gospel expanded. People left Jerusalem for various reasons. One, they didn't live in Jerusalem all the time, most of them. And uh, sometimes it was because of persecution that they were pushed out. And then they went into Samaria. And this was kind of a unique thing. This is a, a province north of Israel. And this was a place of mixed ethnicity. And the second, uh, the... Um, The Jewish people of this day viewed those people from Samaria as sort of second-class 
citizens because of their ethnicity and their historical background. And Jesus is saying, we're to go there. We need to go to those places where people are maybe different from us. And because the gospel is for all people. And then Jesus says, and to the ends of the earth in the first century, this would be like Rome was about like as far away from God as you could get from, from, from Jerusalem where the church got its start. And for us, it's about going to the ends of the earth today. It's about world missions, global missions. We are to declare the praises of God and tell his story. And this is his story. And that's what we're doing. As believers, priests, by the way, did a lot of teaching and communicating the truth of Scripture. We are to declare the excellencies of our God. Verse 10, we must share what we've received. Peter writes, once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. And and he's referring to uh, passages in Hosea chapter 1 and Hosea chapter 2. Our status has changed. Our identity has changed. Once we were not God's people. Now we are God's people. We have responsibility. Once, Peter writes, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Once you were under judgment, once you faced condemnation, but God demonstrated His own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now we've received God's love and we've received God's mercy through Christ. We're not to keep it to ourselves. We are witnesses of our own story. And every story is different. That's the cool thing. And all of our relationships with people are different. And God uses our story just the way we are to reach people in our world. The Apostle Paul writes in Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, he speaks of this mercy. He says, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, referring to when Jesus came, and his life, and his death on the cross, the kindness and the love of God appeared. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done. It's not, it's not, it wasn't about us. It wasn't how great we were, but because of his mercy. There it is. He saved us through the washing of rebirth. He's talking about being born again, being cleansed from sin and given a fresh start, a new start and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So for this reason, we must fulfill our purpose and declare the praises of our God. You know the cool thing about doing a prayer walk this week? You get to be a believer priest. You are a member of the royal priesthood, and you can just walk through your neighborhood and bring your neighborhood to God and, and, and ask on their behalf and represent Jesus to them just through prayer. That's an act of love. Um, 
So who are you praying for right now to come to faith? That's a good question to ask because you've got a chance to think about this because we could do a prayer walk and maybe there'll be some new people or somebody, maybe you haven't been praying for anybody. Um, who are you intentionally building a relationship with so that you would ask God to lead you to an opportunity to speak for Him? Who have you been sharing with recently about how to have a relationship with God? Secondly, in verses 11 through 12, Peter wants us to represent Christ accurately. We are to speak for God as a royal priesthood. We are representatives, and Paul would say we're ambassadors for Christ. Uh, we are to do that, to declare how great our God is. We are to live for Christ and represent Him accurately. According to truth. According how the Scripture reveals Jesus. Not, you know, how we like it to be. How it would be really cool if Jesus was this and He wasn't this. We are to display Jesus accurately. That's how our world will know. And that's God's hope for us. Philip Yancey uh, writes this. He says, For the watching world, we ourselves serve proof that God is alive. Think about that. We ourselves serve proof that God is alive. We form the visible shapes of what He's alike. That's a fantastic thought. Do, do, do people get interested in God because of us? Or do our people repelled from God because of us? So, what does this mean for us if, if we're going to have this kind of representation to God? Well, first, uh, in verse 11, don't yield to temptations that move you away from God. Peter writes in verse 11, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. There's a war going on against your soul. Now this is interesting because I was just thinking about this. In our culture, we, we want comfort and peace and we want to have obstacles removed and have a nice life. And this idea of a war makes it hard. We would rather not do that. And so, why not just relax, everyone? But Peter says there's a war against your soul. One, there is a, there is a, a real enemy, the enemy of God. But there is, there's, one of the problems is us. You know, think, of, think in terms of there are three enemies. One is Satan himself a real spiritual being seeking to develop a counterfeit kingdom to draw people away from God. And then there's the world system that doesn't care about God, and we see that every day. And then there's us. We can be our own enemies. And we'll talk about this. Peter starts with calling them foreigners and exiles. Um, 
We, we are on a temporary location right now. We are not permanent fixtures in this world. We belong to another world, a heavenly kingdom that has no end. We live in, a, in an environment with a cultural virus more powerful than God. A cultural virus. We have been infected by a cultural virus. And it's dangerous. This is all about how do we live in the world and not be of the world? Because we can, we can be stained by our environment and catch that virus. The Apostle Paul talks about this, um, this war going on in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. And he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not des- uh, gratify the desires of the flesh. It's just real simple, Paul says. Just walk in the power of the Spirit, and you're not going to have a problem with the flesh. That's how you defeat the flesh, is you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. You yield to God's strength, and you you welcome God and ask for God's strength. And and just a, a reminder here from verse 17, for the flesh... That, that the old nature, you know, we have, a, we have an old nature, an old capacity. It's, it's about our, our, our self-focus and our, and our life before Christ. And then we have a new nature, a new capacity, and that's a capacity to please God. And we got the new nature when we placed our faith in Christ. And uh, Paul writes, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. The spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. There's that war, that inner war, that inner battle. They are in conflict with each other, and we don't like conflict. We don't like inner turmoil. But I want you to understand that Paul says that a certain amount of it is normal when we live in this world and we don't want to be of this world. Sometimes Christ followers just choose to give in just nearly all the time. He says they're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Now, the Apostle Paul goes, goes on and um, in verse 19, he, he talks about a, a list of things here, 19 through 21. And, and I like to just read this list once in a while for myself to think about, am I being pulled in one of these directions you know, I think I'm doing great, and I start looking at the list, and, and this is, the list is not exhaustive here. There's more that could be added to this list. And he says, the acts of the flesh, meaning the sinful nature, meaning the, our old nature, our, our old capacity, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. He's talking about how we handle our sexual feelings how we live with our sexuality. He goes on and talks about and idolatry and witchcraft, and he's talking about uh, those things where uh, people seek to go supernatural. They pursue the supernatural outside of the true and living God. 
And then he talks about those things that fit into our relationships with our family and our, and our neighbors and our friends and, and people we work with. He, he says, hatred, discord, jealousy. Are there people we hate? Are there people that we're jealous of? Fits of rage? How does that fit in a Christian home? But it happens, doesn't it? Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, meaning, boy, the list could be longer. Verse 21, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, he's not saying that a Christian will lose their salvation, but he's saying, if this is somebody's lifestyle, they're not following Christ. This, this person does not know Christ. And he, he just makes that warning for us. In verse 12, Paul would encourage us to live your life intentionally to honor God in all that you do. This is our mission as fully devoted followers of Christ. To live intentionally to honor God in all that we do. Look at verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans. And, and that was Peter's way of saying, live such good lives among unbelievers. We don't, we don't use the word pagan very often, and uh, probably rightfully so, because in our culture it could be misunderstood or it's a way to talk down to someone. Uh, live, live such good lives among those people who don't know Jesus yet, though they accuse you of doing wrongdoing, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. Live such good lives during COVID, during the political turmoil that we face, during this election year. As you relate with people who like to wear masks and people who don't like to wear masks. For most people, that's not a big deal. For some people, it's really a big deal. Live such good lives that your critics will see how you live and be drawn to Jesus because you are not like everyone else. William Woodfin writes this. He says, the proof of Christianity is not a book, but a life. I really like that. The power of Christianity is not a creed, but a Christian character. And wherever you see life that has been transformed by the grace of God, you see a witness to the resurrection of Jesus. That's what God wants to be doing in our lives right now. He wants to be transforming us and changing us and conforming us to become more and more like His Son, Jesus. Are you being transformed day by day? Do you see yourself in that growth pattern, that growth mode, where you're seeking to walk with God? I didn't say you were perfect. I'm way far from perfect. You can interview my wife afterwards. and I hope she doesn't tell you anything, but... But are we being transformed?
Do our actions and attitudes represent Jesus well? Or are they more about us? The day he visits us refers to that day when Jesus returns. And he, and he comes in judgment. And um, our lives have the potential to point others to Christ so that they too can rejoice. So, so they may see your good deeds and glorify God. That, that our lives would be so attractive that people would want to know, how, how do you deal with this? How do you handle this? Why are you so content? Why do you have joy? How do you ask God for, for something in prayer? Does God really answer you? People want to know. And, and some people are going to come to faith because of you. And some people are going to become true worshipers because of you. And they're going to glorify God on that day when Jesus returns. The Apostle Paul reminds us of our purpose in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. He says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. Oh, I know you already know this. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's a gift. It's not by works, not what we do, so that no one could boast. And here's, look at this, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus. We were born again, created, recreated in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We were created to declare the excellencies of God. We were created as a royal priesthood to offer sacrifices to God, which includes doing good works and sharing and generosity. And God has prepared... I, I love this. Throughout my Christian life, to know God has already planned things for me to do. I don't know what they are yet, but if I walk with Him day by day, I can just walk right into them because He's prepared them beforehand for us to do. And so I want to find out, what is it? What are those things? It's easy for me to look back and say, yeah, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, God did this. Boy, that was a great, that was an awesome experience. You know, it's just easy to look back and say, well, God has provided abundantly with Grow Forward. Do you think we knew that coming in? We had no clue, but we trusted God. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 5, 16. He said, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus is the light of the world and you and I are to reflect that light back to our world so, so people can see the praises of God, the excellencies of God, of who He is and what He's like and that our attitudes and actions are, are good deeds. People will see that. And they'll want to know the God that we serve and how to have a relationship with Him and that they too will glorify one day the Father who is in heaven. So, realize your purpose. Tell people what your God is like. 
represent Jesus accurately according to truth, according to the way Scripture uh, reveals Him. William Barclay writes, a saint is someone whose life makes it easier to believe in God. I like that. A saint, meaning a believer. We're not talking about somebody that you put on a shelf. We're talking about a, a believer, one who's set apart to serve God, is someone whose life makes it easier to believe in God. Oh, I'd, you have something I'd like to have. I want to close with a, a quote from um, Timothy Dowerimple, and he's the president and CEO of Christianity Today. And um, just this week in Christianity Today, it's the November issue, he writes, and he's responding to uh, our, our current situ situation in the midst of racial injustice and political turmoil and pandemic fatigue. And here's what he says. Listen to this. So what can we do in this painful and perilous mo moment to reflect the grace of Jesus? That's really a good question. What can we do? We can demonstrate in our behavior that eternal things remain eternal. We can lift up the wounded and speak hope to the fearful. We can be quick to listen and slow to speak. Oh, who would have thought? Quick to listen and slow to speak. We can conduct ourselves with humility, compassion, and grace, showing kindness where it is least expected. We can honor the inestimable worth in each and every person and invite them with us into life everlasting. That's perfect. May it be so. Let's stand. Let's pray. Our God, we just uh, humbly stand before you this morning, and we thank you for the word of God. Thank you from the for the reminders from your word. May we focus on the purpose you have given us. May we, we be people who speak for you and to witness our relationship with you to our world and just to tell people who you are and what, you're, what you are like. And may we represent Jesus accurately. Help us to deal with our struggles each day, the internal battle that we face between our fleshly natures and the Holy Spirit at work. May we um, seek your strength and your power and God give us the real desire to turn away from sin and to walk with you. For Jesus' sake, I pray. Amen.
Christ alone my hope is found he is my light my strength my song this cornerstone this solid ground firm through the fiercest drought and storm what heights of love what depths of peace when fears are stilled when striving my all in all here in the love of Christ I stand there ground his body lay light of the world by darkness slain then bursting forth in glorious day up from the grave he rose again and as he stands in victory since curse has lost its grip on me
So to sum it all up, your phone is leaving a digital footprint, and they're dirty, and you need to wipe them off when you get home. But what about our spiritual footprints? What, what are we leaving? What is God recording in his book of life about our lives? And how are we going to have an impact this week? God bless you all. We're dismissed.